Hey, this is Chris from King Perth. This is actually my first ever podcast. I'm very nervous. I've done the recording all myself, the editing all myself, and this is a journey that I've been, uh, you know, just started. So if you've got any constructive comments or feedback, I'm kind of looking for those that have used the Rode podcast or Adobe Audition, uh, because that's what I've been, you know, learning on. So thank you for your support and uh, over to the episode. Hey, this is Chris from King Perth, and yes, this is our first episode. Welcome to Kinky Confessions, the podcast. Our first guest, he's been supporting our Airbnb King Perth from its inception. He is a great friend of mine. He's been a mentor, a teacher, and we have had some parties and got up to shenanigans along the way. He was always going to be my first guest. We've already cracked open a bottle of champagne. So without any further ado, what is your name and what is your kinky confession? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Stefan Devanzik and I am a kinkster. Thank you so much for having us on your first podcast. This is a very exciting, nerve-wracking ordeal. I'm very excited to be able to share myself with you and the people and to also show people what kink in Perth is about. What's kink to you? What is kink? Excellent. All right. So that's a fantastic question. My viewpoint on kink is that it is not BDSM and it is not swinging and it is not vanilla and it is not any of these other standards. It is the mix of all. It allows anyone to be anything in their own way and be accepted in a community. Kink is a community. It's a group of people that see what you want to do, how you want to do it, as being, as long as it's safe, as long as it's consensual, as long as it's sitting there and it's not damaging, harming people, then it's fucking kinky. It is kinky. And the thing is, there's a difference between hurt and harm. Absolutely. Hurt, you can hurt, hurt all the time. Hurt's great. I love getting hurt. Little couple smacks on the bum, get a couple of bruises. It's beautiful. Harm, harm's mental. And as long as your kink does not harm anyone, does not mentally abuse them, does not take them down or take them away from them, then I think it's a brilliant thing. I think that you should be free to do it. Absolutely. Um, so what are some of your kinks? I started in this industry when I was 13. Yeah, I, that's pretty young. Very young, very young. At 13 years of age, I lost my virginity. Wow. And I lost it to an older woman while on holiday. And she was a beautiful woman. But at the end of the day, a taboo. Most yeah. people say, oh, that's terrible, that's awful. In the place that I was at, it wasn't actually illegal, so it's fine. But as an Australian, I, I can't say that that would be legal. We can't do that here. Where were you? Um, I was actually just off of the islands off of Bali. So I was, Indonesia. Uh, I was in Indonesia. I was Batam Islands. The laws and the way that they uh, mandate things back then were very different. And how old was she? Uh, she was 26. She was a New Zealand model who had done a couple of shoots for the last week or two. She was staying at the same hotel as us and it just, it just played in. And that just kicked me off. Like 
I'm 13 years old, losing my virginity to this stunning woman. And I just went, I'm God. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, ran, I ran with it. And it did. It really, it fueled my desire to learn everything about sex. And I wanted to know more. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that the rest of my experiences were good. And I dove deep into pornography, into learning about sex, about all sorts of facets of it. Um, I looked into BDSM. I, I started to research it. I started to look into different places where they practice it, how they practice it, what the techniques are, why people do it. The mentality behind it really really took me on a great journey of just learning, of just learning about the mentality about how someone gets into a position where they can be submissive, dominant, uh, why they do it from all sorts of trauma all the way through to all sorts of fetishes. So I'm now, let's say 16. So I start piercing myself. I start getting into the heavy Marilyn Matz music, getting all that corn and getting, you know, like, I hate you parents. You're piercing yourself. You're getting off on it? Yeah, fuck it. 100%. Because it was a release. It was suddenly that, that rush, that release, that, that uh, something that you crave that you just don't get anywhere else. The only other time I ever felt that was in a fight. And... I, I'm not a big guy, right? I'm a, I'm a tiny five foot dude who, but I have a mouth on me and I got into a lot of fights at school. And what I found out of fighting was that I got a release when I was actually actively doing that. I would feel this rush. I would feel this endorphin rage. And then at the end of it, I, I, I might have a broken wrist, but I am sitting there going, ha ha And that rush is crazy. And I only found that through my later endeavors, through BDSM, doing asphyxiation, doing things that go like all of the, the differences, but then also being able to provide that for others, allowing them to feel that rush without having them harmed. You were very open with your parents. 100%. I've always been open with my parents. My parents are, um, my dad's an accountant. My mom's an ex-journalist and nurse. Um, she is one of the most amazing role models of my life, but they do not like sex. I've watched them do some amazing holidays and, and things like that. And just watch them love each other. And you see it in the eyes, you see it in the soul. Is that your ambition? I think it's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. I, I no, it's not my ambition. I, I have a partner at the moment, um, I know that this is the woman that I've always meant to meet. She is amazing for me. However, I don't try and do what my parents did. I see her in her own individuality. I want her to be an individual. I want her to know that she's absolutely, she is safe and sound in her own body and in her own mind. And I love her for that. I don't have to love her for what she does for me or that we've been together for this long or any of that. I just love her. I'll go back to, I'll go back to where I, I, I sat. Um, once I hit my late teens, I went to my first swingers club. This is a confession 
this is going to be fun. So I grew up in the northern suburbs of West Australia. And there's a place in Mangara. Well, there used to be a place in Mangara that was called Ladies Playground. And I heard about this. Now, I had just finished a shift working at the Crown Casino as a croupier. I'm 19. I'm feeling like a man. This is going to be great. I'm going to get laid. And I literally was so fucking nervous that when I got out of my car and shut the door, I forgot to take the keys out or stop the ignition. So my Corolla is still vibrating in the car park and I'm looking at this going, I am an idiot. I've gone to the front door and I've gone, hey, guys, um, I'm, I'm a... I'm a jackass. This is what's happened. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll go, I'll go get a tape and I'll go grab that keys out and that. Just grab them out the front desk when you come back. Okay. These people were so nice. This is the nicest group of people I've ever met. Now, don't forget, West Australia, not the greatest bunch of pubs. You know, you go to a pub here, it's, there's, you're not getting talked to like that. You're not being treated with respect. You just... You're just another larrikin, and if you don't fucking drink your emu bitter, you're going to get fucked, right? These guys, absolutely amazing. And then he's like, oh, you look great, mate. Come on through. Let's introduce you to people. And then I met some people, and I didn't realize, but I'd rocked up on a theme night where everyone got to dress in whatever they wanted. And I swear to you, there was like 50 people there they were all stunning. I couldn't believe I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the yeah. world right now. And the guy comes through about half an hour later. I'm still struck, like moonstruck. And he comes through and he goes, hey, bud, I've got your key. It's at the front door. He, he got that. He unlocked my car, turned my car off, and put my car key back at the front door. How, how nice is that? Like, it, and you couldn't believe how nice that felt just to be accepted Welcome, and be accepted. welcomed and, and all of these gorgeous people. And look, they were older. They were, some of them were quite older, but they were still gorgeous. They were still showing such vibrancy, such passion in their lives. And I'm looking around everywhere else going, everyone's sad and mopey. And then I walk into this place and there's, like 50, 60 year olds just smiling, having the time of their life, tits out. And I'm like, what is going on? This is great fun. So I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. And that first night, I ended up actually being part of the main show. And I couldn't what get a surprise. up. What I a couldn't surprise. get it up. I couldn't oh, get really? it up. Yep. Uh, she was an ex-stripper from one of Perth's local strip clubs yeah. and she chose me because I looked like the guy who could get it and I didn't. <laughs> Put whipped cream all over my lower half, did the whole like dirty dance and a bit of a suck on and I couldn't get it up and I felt so embarrassed and I was, I was mortified and she turned it around and made it so amazing. And so nice. She was such a gentle soul. And she turned and she whispered in my ear, it's okay, this happens. Don't worry. And I went, I'm just so nervous. I'm just so nervous. I've never. So, um, so look, I, my first night in a swingers situation was pretty intense. And I 
never looked back. I think that was that was it. That got me absolutely one hundred percent solidified, hooked. So, um, about a year later, I would say, I ended up going to another club that was based in Perth. Um, I'd been to this one a few times, but I went to this new one, and um, run by a very prosperous person, very very well respected person in the scene, and I went there a few times. It was really good. It was really really good, and one of the girlfriends that I met there, she, we we hooked up, and then we went to the place. And we had a great time and she got to meet people and have her fun. And I got to meet people and have my fun. And I ended up meeting my future partner. Um, not the one that I'm with currently, but someone that was very important in my life. And the issue happened that something bad happened at the club. And I had to, I felt like I had to, I shouldn't have but I felt like I had to step in. Uh, someone was uh, non-consensually touched, and I mean not just touched. And I took that quite harshly, and this was the person that I brought. So I knew that she was very hurt by this, and no one was doing anything. So I went out to the car park, got the tire iron out of my car and I walked back in and I beat this dude. I beat this dude to an inch of his life. And to this day, I am still not welcome at that establishment. And I can quite understand why, because you do not take it into your own hands. There are other avenues to pursue that. But I was just so enraged. I was so young and I was so... I was full of testosterone and just, I'm going to be the hero and I'm going to make sure she's safe and all of it. it didn't do anything to help her. It just was violence and it was horrid. And I really look back at that and go, all right, I can understand people will go to these levels. They will do these things. It's not something I'm proud of, but it's something that I've got to keep in mind if I ever am working the door or if I'm ever hosting a, an event, I need to know that everyone is sound of mind and they're not losing themselves. And if there is an incident, something needs to be done immediately to show everyone that it is being taken care of. So do you think that now when you do an event, you put so much emphasis on consent and safety and the, the signs are up everywhere you're all you're in every room all at once. How the fuck you do it? Hey, it's all good. And you know, you see you walking into a room and it's just a thumbs up. Yep, we all good. Yep. Just you don't have to scream, yell, you just, you know, just give me a nod, give me a thumbs up back. And it's and it's that it's a community though. Don't forget, when you're when you're in a when you're in a situation where you're in a room with let's say thirty other people, and all thirty of us uh almost intimate, right, with each other. It only takes one dickhead to make that go wrong, right? But all 29 of us want that dickhead out of the room. So that's where the community stands by. And all it takes is one person to say, hey, 
no, stop. This is not right. I use the traffic light system. Now, the traffic light system, if you're old enough to have walked across a road, then you know what the traffic light system is. Green is go. The red is stop. And when I say stop, I mean stop right now and give aftercare if you can or leave the situation so that you're not hindering it. A lot of people forget that there's a amber or yellow. And I love yellow. I think yellow is one of the greatest fucking words ever. Because if I'm sitting there or if I'm in a scene and someone goes, yellow, um, can you not use that one? I preferred the other one. Or like, so if I'm in a, in a, uh, an impact session and someone goes, yellow, I preferred the other one because it's not so harsh or I don't like stingy. I like thuddy. You're tailoring your experience. Everyone will tell you the first time you take acid, the first time you smoke, the first time you are in a fast car, the first, your life changes. Things, certain key things in your life, the first time you have a sub drop or you find your euphoric space where you almost fall into a meditation of euphoria and all everything's just enlightened and you come out of that. And you look around and you go, it is. Is it easy for you to go into a subspace? Fuck no. No, I, I actually have only been in it three times. Um, Tell me about that. My first was actually with one of my best friends, John. So I used to run parties called My Place Parties. The best parties, Thank by the way. Thank you so much. Um, no, I used to run house parties. So the idea was what I would do is I'd charge everyone equally. So everyone was treated equally. We were hitting about 110 people a night. It was oh, okay. excellent. Easy 100 at your party. And they were held once a month and they were themed. And the idea of that was that everyone had to put some fucking effort in. So you didn't just rock up and you, you weren't surrounded by douchebags that had just come off the street. Everyone has dressed up. They've put some effort into their outfit. They've come to see something that is, uh, it was. Uh, you have the best parties that I've ever been to. Thank Simple you so much. Thank you. Um, I tried so hard to make it what I would want, what I would want to see if I went somewhere and someone went, all right, look, dress up, pay us 30 bucks and come in and you've got the night, but be respectful. and. I just wanted to walk in and see this wonderland. And I did every and time did. I turned my house into an absolute wonderland. And it was very inclusive, very safe. But I also had a lot of people helping me to make sure that everyone was looked after. The community that surrounded these parties was just beautiful. It was so much fun. So you got a hundred people in your house. You're with John. How do you get into subspace with that going on? So I don't normally bottom. I don't normally become the sub. And well, I, lost, I, I lost a bet. <laughs> I lost a bet. You're really good at betting. I'm very terrible at this. <laughs> He's turned around and said, all right, so for losing that, you've got to go off on the, on the cross. So the St. Andrew's cross. Oh, yeah. And in I am going to flog you. I'm going to flog yeah, you. In the I'm front room. And so there I go. I'm going to go up. 
And for the first time ever in front of everybody, he just lays in. And he does it, he does it with respect. So we always start with a warm-up. So we warm the skin with a couple of hand pats, make sure that the body's ready for impact. Then we start a little bit slow, and then he gets into it. And by that stage, my brain has already switched off, and I am floating and pretty much out of atmosphere. I'm looking at myself from another realm, and I'm feeling amazing, like an amazing. I mean, I am. I have never felt such, I guess, release is the best word for it. A release of emotions, pent-up energy. Just, I just, when he finished and I dropped, I actually physically fell down and they, it was, I was being held by the cross. But when I, my body literally gave away and I felt amazing. I came back a couple of seconds later, right? And I'm looking around the room and everyone's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, that was, whoa. And I just, I like, I felt like fucking MacGyver, man. Like I was running around screaming, yeah, this is fucking brilliant. This is what you people feel. This is amazing. And I, I just felt that all my, all of my stress and worry had disappeared. It dissipated. It just disappeared. I didn't have to worry about it at all. It was gone. And no, like, I hold a lot of tension. I'm, a, I'm an anxious little man, right? And all of it gone. And it just felt amazing. And so to give that to others is such a thing. And so when John did it to me, and then he's holding me, he's like, dude, you're okay. Like, and I'm like, my aftercare is I want to run around. <laughs> right? I, I, just, I wanted to just be active. I wanted to be energetic and feel free however most people with they have aftercare they need to be like cuddled or they need to be consoled or sugar i'm adhd as fuck man i'm running around <laughs> screaming and having a great time and to paint a picture on this you know the, the front room of that house you'd also have 10 15 people there watching and it'd be just complete silence because you're watching an artist you are right. and he is brilliant at what he does he is an expert and how quickly he can get ADHD Steph from being from buzzing to to dropping is a testimony to yeah. to how and doing it with respect is. and doing it with respect and like literally putting my body into a place where I wasn't hurt like I was I had marks but I wasn't hurt at all I felt like relief I felt just so freeing. And that is where I really decided, all right, this is where I need to focus. This is where I need to start d diving into and getting into this lifestyle so that I can provide others with this. You've, got, you've gone from where you start and go, I'm going to have a house party. It just gets... Okay, so how, how, did, I, how, did, I get, how did I get there? Okay. Um, all right. I decided after the incident that I had at the club where I was violent, um, I was then banned from that establishment. And I decided, well, fuck you. I'll do my own. And the first, I would say, first two were awful. They were fucking awful. 
They were, well, you they were very somewhere. bad. They were very bad. There was no advertising. There was no connection with anyone. There was just a few friends, and we tried to make it work. And it was it was it was very try hard. <laughs> and you know what that's like when if you're trying hard to have sex, you're not having sex. <laughs> okay, if you're trying hard to be cool, you're not being cool. So it just sort of went over and then I turned around and I went, what am I getting wrong? And I decided, all right, fuck this. I'm not going to do this every week. I'm not going to try and be like these guys. I'm going to just do once a month. I'm going to go back to working on the mines and every couple of weeks I'll fly back in. And from the day I get here, I'm going to set my house up. I'm going to set this party up. I'm going to get all the decorations. I'm going to get all my friends together and we're going to make one hell of a fucking party, whether it ends up being good or not. And it did, and it worked. And we just, we just ran with it and it worked. Gangbusters. It was amazing. We had, um, people coming in that were showing us new techniques on certain things. People bringing in homemade tools that were like floggers and, and whips and all sorts, like it's it spreader bars. People were bringing in their own, like St. Andrew's crosses, showing it off so that they could say, hey, look, this is the kind of shit we're into as well. And it just turned out that Perth is not a small community. We've got an amazing amount of kinksters. And wow, some of them are talented as fuck. I mean, I have met some of the best people of my life through that. And at the same time, I've also learned so much off of others and been able to show others. I think the best thing that I learned was um, one of the local Perth bodies do a version of uh, hot wax that I am not a fan of, which is using a hot wax candle. And the reason why I don't like it is just because of not being able to have the temperature always, uh, not always being able to have a consistency. It's not, it, it can be dangerous as far as I'm concerned. Plus also fire, if it falls over, it hits, a, it hits a curtain, it's on fire. I'm not interested in having that. So I went with a friend of mine and I went, how the hell can we make this safer? How can we? And at that time I was actually using one of the candles that I'd bought on my stove in a pot and it was just burning away. And I was trying to like think about it and I turned the stove on accidentally and it started to melt the candle. So now I've got a wick that's on fire and just a puddle of wax. And I'm like, what the shit is. And then I realized why not put it into some kind of container in a Bain Marie have it at a constant temperature, but not too hot to burn the skin and not too cold to be solidified all the time. So that it's always constant. You can pour it, you can drip it, you can do all this. And we just started experimenting from there. We started putting fluorescent uh, mica powder in it. We started putting highlighters because everybody knows that a kid can eat a highlighter. Like, I mean, even if a kid can eat a highlighter, you know that they're safe. <laughs> so... We just started drawing. We made art out of it. It just became this amazing thing. And then we started working on consistencies, whether it be paraffin 
at soy, whether it be coconut mix, we, we went with everything. And eventually we came down to a blend that we really liked and it was 20-80 and that's 20% paraffin, 80% soy. Depending on the soy, there are certain blends, but it just works so nicely. It could, you could pour it over body, someone's body and it would be like a hot bath and then it solidified and it would just look like they were a canvas. And this just started to become, this was amazing. This was They make great that, photos, I'll tell they you. Do, they, they do. And that's the thing. Use, started to use uh, UV lights so that they would really bring out the fluorescence, just really trying to make art out of this, as well as it being sensual, as well as it being a connective process, because this is now someone pouring something hot and dangerous on you. You're trusting them. They do that, and it feels amazing. You're then going into your almost meditative state, and then they start taking it off. Now, initially, we started taking it off with credit cards, like uh, old, old discount cards. You know. So we used the cards first, and then I got a little bit too brave one day and decided, fuck that, I'm going to use a knife. And a friend of mine had already done knife play with me, edge play. Like, edging is different to edge play. Edge play oh. is cutting or using an edge on the skin. Edging is bringing someone to the edge, right, of an orgasm or of enlightenment or of, of, of they're, they're about to go into subspace, but you don't let them. So now I've just done both because I'm now using a knife on someone who's just gone into their meditative oh, feeling of all of this wax on them and then this feeling of this knife this blade just cutting off this layer of wax on their skin. Yeah, just shaving it off. It, so many people that I do wax with just turn around and go, that's my favourite part is when it comes off. It is. And then the reason why is because it is so much about trust. It is so much about putting my life in your hands because you've got the knife. I'm just covered in wax. You've now got the knife. And knowing that you're being gentle and caring but also you're making sure that you're being smooth and, and, and you're doing this with such efficiency. It's an art form to be able to take it off correctly without just scratching and without it nipping in and without it hurting in any way. It's just this beautiful glide over the skin. And for so many people, it's just this, my God, I didn't know I liked this so much. <laughs> So, so what's different between you today than 20 years ago when it comes to what you... 20 years ago, I would say, I was so much more about intimacy and thinking that I knew what I was doing and very much into... Um, I, I thought things like... How do I put this? I thought things like girls don't want to watch porn. No, they don't. They don't like porn. They're never gonna. They're never gonna accept me if they see my porn. So I better hide that. Um, 
I felt uh, shame almost yeah. in in some of the things I did. I didn't mind being called a slut, but I knew not to call girls sluts, yeah. and yet I didn't understand why that was okay. Uh, I I I didn't have much respect for myself. And I put myself in a lot of stupid situations. You still do. I still do, <laughs> but, but at least I have a thought before it. Yeah, I think about Back the then, stupidity no, before not. I do it. Back then it was like, yeah, let's do that. And nowadays it's very much about making sure that I, I have a good time. Don't get me wrong. But I also, I'm more mindful of everyone and everything around me. When I was younger... 20 years ago, I gave no shits, and as long as I ejaculated, I was fine. Now, I make sure that everyone around me is safe. I make sure that everything that is going on is supposed to be going on. And I will say... You grew up. Oh, definitely. I matured. It's not uh, so much growing up. It's, uh, It's definitely maturing in your head. It's very much seeing it from everyone's point of view and also putting yourself in their shoes and realizing that you can hurt people a lot. Like I I have had to go back and apologize to people that I know I've hurt. I know that I hurt them. They never said anything. And I've gone and when I've said it to them, they've broken down and they've said to me, I've only been wanting to hear that for so long from anyone like because of the amount of people who have done that to me. And I'm looking at her going, I am fucking so sorry that no one has done that yet. And I have seen that time and time again. There are so many people that have been taken advantage of. I was taken advantage of. I mean, when I was a child, my parents sent me to a pediatrician uh, who was um, uh, um, and I was raped. I was raped as a five-year-old all the way till I was seven. And I used to tell mum I didn't want to go back because my back, because it hurts, because it hurts. She didn't realize I wasn't talking about my back. And that, I think that put some trauma in me. And it's very, I didn't even realize this until a lot later on in life. And I got a flashback and it all came rushing back. And I was like, oh, fuck, that explains a lot. But... At the end of the day, it doesn't make me want to go out and hurt someone or make me feel angry at this person. This person fucking was just a horrible monster and probably has done it to many other people and could go fucking die. But for me, what was really upsetting about all of this is that I didn't have the communication skills to be able to explain it to the people that needed to hear it. As a parent, if that was my child that sat down with me and told me that story, the guilt that I would have as a oh, parent. Oh, absolutely. Mum mom, oh. mom and dad had such guilt. But I told them no. Like, they didn't know. No, they, exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't give them the knowledge. I couldn't s- express to them how that was ha- affecting me or yeah. why I was being affected in that way because I didn't even know that it was that badly wrong. I knew that something was bad, but I didn't. And I just knew I was in pain. I didn't want to. And I didn't like it, but I wasn't able to talk about it. I didn't know the words. I didn't know what was right. And thank God nowadays kids have got a lot more access to be able 
to get support. Also, there is a lot more knowledge about these sort of behaviors and horrible people that do this, but how to spot them and how to protect against them. Do you think it had much of an impact in your teens? While you may not have remembered it. I believe that my my uh, almost wanton will to have dirty sex was because at a young age I was exposed to it. I think at a young age I was exposed to something that should be left for later, but it wasn't. And then I went, oh, you know, I, I don't remember that, but I still have this wanting for something. I didn't know what I wanted. Didn't know how to express it. Didn't know how to do it properly, but it was there. And that was a very interesting, I guess, really interesting is everyone talks about when you're a kid, you play daddies and wives and, you know, doctor and nurse, right? Even as a child, I was, I was in a sexualized version of that because I just thought that that was normal in my head, right? Growing up and being taught, no, it's not then I didn't do that anymore. Like, I didn't have that wantant for it. I didn't have that willingness to go, ooh, let's play doctors and nurse, or let's let's try and, you know, show me yours, I'll show you mine. No, none of that. But as a kid, you're curious, right? Because of what happened to me, I believe that I wasn't just curious. I believe that I was far more involved in the sexualizing of it. So which club do you work at? Tell us about that. All right. So I work at a club called Club 103. In Belmont. It is in Belmont. It is in Western Australia. It is, I would say, the one of three only registered clubs in WA. It's for hire. You can use it as a an events hosting sort of thing. Two stories, uh, more than eight rooms, uh, every room has a little theme to it, just slightly, but every room is provided with aircon, you've got beds, you've got towels, you've got condoms, lube, all the cleaning products, everything to make it a self-sufficient area for you to have your fun in an adult way or play pool, fuck it. <laughs> like at the end of the day, we're there as a social club. The idea that we wanted to put across or that we are putting across now. Um, five years ago, it was started up as a swingers club, right? Now, swingers club's great, but they're, they're, they're very few and far between. It's, uh, I don't ever want people to feel pressured into feeling they have to come and have sex. I want you to rock up, meet someone and go, hey, you know what? You want to go up and be naughty in a room? That'd be great. That's way nicer than rocking up and going, hey, look, I've just taken me towel off, want to fuck. <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't work for me. It, I want people to have a social aspect and, and an environment where you feel comfortable, where you can dance if you want to. You don't have to get naked. You don't have to, but someone might be in a pony outfit or naked next to you and that's fine. And you're both dancing and it's fine. It doesn't matter. Like, I just want everyone to accept everyone in their different dynamics, right? And I think that's it for people that have never been to a venue like this is that you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Like, if you just want to go and you, you like a bit of voyeurism, mm. 
well, who doesn't? Um, you go along and you you meet people in which you're going to go, wow, that's awesome. And what you'll see, what you'll experience. So if you have if if, if you haven't been to one, you you've got to put it on your bucket list. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Like and then we've got everything from a private room, which is basically set out so it's king size bed it's got all of the layouts you've got a little cross in the finishing at the end of the door and you've got all of that and you can even shut the door and have private room oh here we go we're just passing the champagne over all the way through to a dungeon that's got a saint andrew's cross we've got a sex swing that's uh fully leather there's a 30 piece what would you call it? Uh, scaffolding shibari rig. Oh, the outside. So, yeah, the outside shibari rig, which is purpose-built so that people can, A, it's a stage, but B, it's a place for people to do suspension work safely with it completely open in the open air, and it's all set up perfect to go. And if 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 you even like the sound of it, you just go along and watch. Hundred percent, and not like I don't even know how to tie. As I said before, I can't tie a fucking knot to save my life. So how do you go from where you were having house parties to one hundred and three? How do you, where's that journey? How did you make that move? I was still working as a driller, uh, so I would leave for a two and one roster, and every every second swing back, so every sixth week. Uh, fifth week, sorry, I would come back and run a party. That was good fun. And then one day I was at work and I went, I'm going to hang myself. I don't like this. I'm very lonely. I don't like being away from home. I have too many things going for me back in Perth. I don't like doing what I'm doing. And I've been doing it for 18 years. And I really, I was good at my job, but I couldn't do it anymore. I, I just... I felt this deep, 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 sad loneliness. And I went, fuck this. I'm going to end up necking myself. I've got to get out. I've got to get out of here. So I did. I called my boss and he sent me home. I got home and I basically took two months off. Just just nothing. No parties. No no nothing. I, I got back in touch with and... myself. Yeah, I got back in touch with myself. All right, I, found, I found where I'm worth. All right. I decided that I needed to go out one night, went out, and I got beaten up really badly. I had uh, quite a large man uh, land on my stomach with his knee, and he dislodged my diaphragm and punctured one of my lungs. A couple of weeks in hospital, came out of that, and went to go back to work to earn some more money and found out that I will never pass a medical for the mind sites again. So I was, I said goodbye to my career. So I decided, fuck it. You know what my other career is? Yeah. Party! Here we go. So what I did is that's exactly what I did. I literally turned around and paid my mortgage for a good eight months by making parties happen. Parties. It was brilliant. It was yep. good fun. And then I started to really research. And then I got in touch with a lady named Emily Marilyn. She is a kink model. 
who works from San Francisco. She is my goddess. She is the woman who taught me how to be a safe, consensual dom and how to do what I do now properly. So I went with Emily and I spent three months under her supervision and care. And now, as soon as I left her, I had to graduate, put it this way. I had to prove to her that I would be a successful and safe dominant in any aspect that I wanted to try it out in, even if it being professional or at home in the bedroom. She needed to see that I knew every aspect that she could teach and that I wanted to know and that I could handle. Um, so Emily took me under her wing, graduated me. I then started doing more house parties, but with a bit of a flair to them with more of the BDSM side, yep. which is where I met you. Um, we had things like wax shows. We had things like uh, the flogging, shibari. Um, I'll tell you, we, I, I remember jump. I remember going to your first party and I was like, what the fuck? This thing's like Disneyland for fucking kinky people. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. And I'm, I just remember that some of the guys that were cross-dressers, they were already six and a half foot tall without the one-foot heels. And then this lady goes, would you like me to give you a massage? And I'm like, massage? 100%. I jump on this table and then out comes a fucking car polisher. And, and then I'm like, and then she's giving, she's giving me a full buff and polish. And I'm like, this is fucking insane. And then my wife's cracking up laughing. And she's going, oh, man, this is awesome. You go, the back shed, there's wax going on. There's a tree. Someone's hanging from a tree. You got there's a bar over there with someone who's decided that they want to make crazy shots with kinky names. Yep. You go inside, you got crosses, you got floggers. Oh, pool it is. table's been taken over Fuck, by two yeah. naked bodies oh, doing jello, jello shots, shots over it. Yeah, it's just Disneyland for adults. It was beautiful. It was a it was an excellent house party. Like those those are the days that I I, I definitely miss them, yeah. but I'm definitely gonna bring them back. And it's not 3 a.m. you're shit-faced. I mean, I, look, we'd always drive and drive home because you're sitting there, you're not, there's too much barely to do. Drinking, you're, you're not barely drinking. drinking. There's Hardly too anyone much gets candy. There's, you're looking at everything. You're talking to people. And every, you can go and talk to anybody. We had and no food other being served. There was, there was naked ladies. There was fucking, uh, we did a race night where we literally had see who could come the most or who could, who came the most and had to stop. So we basically did, uh, I guess what you call a um, punishment squirt, chair. Oh, punishment chair yeah. with, with, with wands. Yeah. And this chick just went for like. Oh, the we electro. Had to, yeah, the that electro. guy with that electric machine. Fuck me. That thing would just. And it was safe. I don't think I had any dramas. The one time we had cops come around was to tell us to move a car off of a neighbor's lawn, which happened to be a detective's oh. car. So he had already parked his car there, and then they asked us to move it. That's it. So tell me about your relationship now. I 
am in a very amazing relationship with a beautiful, beautiful, amazing human being. Um, I will use her name, Grace. Grace is my partner. She is my person. She, I don't think I've ever known love till I met her. And I know this because I thought I knew love before. I didn't. (laughs) Um, my relationship with Grace. When I met Grace, we met at the club, Club 103. It was a pet play night, and she threw a ball at my head. One of those little, you know, round, like almost like a tennis ball. Yep. So I kicked it back at her, and I told her to stop it. And she did it again, and then she did it again, and then she did it again. So I just left. I just went, nope, nope, not doing this. I'm going upstairs. So I went upstairs. When I came down, she had stolen the white pool ball off the table of the pool table and threw it in her pit of blow-up plastic balls. So the guys were asking her really nicely, can they have their ball back? And I turned around and go, you guys are idiots. You can't do that. I've gone over to the cupboard, picked up a tennis ball, walked over, I go, do you want this one? This one's yellow and it glows in the dark. And she looked at me and she went, mm. and I went, come on, this one, look, it bounces. And she went, yeah. She gives me the white ball for the pool table. I give it to them. She keeps the tennis ball. And I'm like, crazy. Can't believe that word. This is brilliant. I love this chick. Walked away. She's then followed me throughout the place and thrown balls at me all night. And I knew from that moment, I don't know if you've ever watched it. Uh, Sword and Stone, Disney. Yep. You know the yeah. fish, and then oh, yeah. when he's like the yeah. fox and there's the the, 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 the and then oh, yeah. like always like constantly. That. That's how it felt. That's honestly how it felt. Like just it was beautiful, and I didn't. I, I wasn't actually actively looking for a relationship, but it just happened, and. Over time, we got closer and closer, and we decided, right, we're going to do this. And now we're together. Grace and me, at four years strong, we have an open, honest, communicative relationship, which means that I can do what I want with whoever I want as long as I keep her informed. And if she has an opinion about it and she says no, then I listen to that. That's her choice to say no because it's part of her life as well. And the same goes for me. She can play with whoever she wants. In fact, she has a beautiful girlfriend who is an amazing rigger. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, a rigger is someone who does shibari. And this person is a stunner, just great heart, amazing work skill and just has a really good connection with Grace. And the two of them get along so well that I would hate to break that up because it would make her unhappy. I just see I just see the love in both of them when they're together and just having such a good time that if she was ever to lose that, I feel that that would take something away from her in a big way. I turn around and tell people, and I'm not in a poly relationship whatsoever, but when I talk about it with people, generally they've got more than one child. 
Mm. And I will always turn around and say, so which child do you love? Or you can only love one child. Which one do you love? Which one don't you love? Mm. And they look at you like, well, I can love both my children. And I'm like, well, I love them equally. Yeah, I love them equally. And I'm like, yeah, well, I love my left hand as much as my right hand. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, I favor right. my left. Yeah. So right. I, I just look at it and go, well, what, why is, why can you love multiple children, but you can't love multiple partners? 100%. Um, and as I said, I, for, this is coming from someone who's not poly. So I look at it and I just go, mate, if you can do it and you can manage it, you'll be 10 times happier. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so look, I've and never I, been happier in my life. Yeah. I've never been happier in my life. Yeah. I've, I have lived a long 39 years, right? Yeah. My 39 years on this earth are fucking, I've, I've done some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I have to say the last five of them have been the happiest of my life. Yeah. And those four with her, that's a big, big factor in that. And that, that's saying I want to carry on living. Yeah. Uh, you had have seen me six years ago. I oh, don't really. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I could have easily just turned around. See ya. All right, mate. I'm going to uh, press a button here. And wrap that up, and I'm gonna say that we're gonna have you back to have some more stories. That'd be excellent. But we were talking about it before we went on air that you know we were both pretty nervous. I have been looking forward to hearing your story, and as nervous as you were, we haven't fucking shut up for ninety minutes. That's fantastic. That's not bad. So it has been a pleasure to have you on and and hear your story into kink and along the way. And congratulations. Thank you so much. Congratulations, man. First podcast. Thank Cheers, you bro. so much. I've been honoured. Absolutely yeah. honoured. Thank you for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, and uh, stay kinky. How was that? Good, man. Yeah.